You're listening to the Fit Mind Fit Body Podcast, where we explore the connection between running and positive mental health. We do this by talking to runners from all walks of life who generously share their experiences with us. So you don't miss an episode, I've created an email list for you to join. Check the show notes for more details. Without further ado, I'm your host, Michelle Frost. Let's get moving. Today we have a special treat. Joining us is Matt Wheatley, a man with a story that's as unique as it is inspiring. From his early days playing soccer in Western Australia as a child, to his unexpected journey into marathons, Matt's tale is a testament to the power of passion and perseverance. So lace up your running shoes and grab your headphones. Let's dive into the world of Matt Wheatley. Whether you're on a leisurely jog or just relaxing at home, this episode is sure to inspire and entertain. Let's get started. Today on Fit Mind Fit Body, I'm excited to introduce you to the son of a previous guest. Hello, Matt Wheatley. Nice to meet you. You too. Lovely to be here. I'm really excited to talk to you after talking with your dad, Pete, a few weeks ago. Um, and get, you know, your side of the story and some of the stories that he shared. It's going to be fascinating. <laughs> so I, I get to tell the truth, do I? <laughs> exactly. We want the truth now, or at least from your perspective. <laughs> sure, sure. There's always other people's truths, aren't there? <laughs> Which is kind of funny. Um, all right, Matt, tell me, and it's a funny question because I'm pretty sure your dad said where you were born, but tell me, where <laughs> did you where did you grow up? Like it's how I always start the podcast. Tell me a bit about your childhood. Uh, well, I, I grew up in in Western Australia, um, and um, you know, we as as you know, listeners would, would hear that they, they, they heard sort of Pete's story about working for the the Energy Commission and and so on. I, I guess as part of that, we lived in coal mining towns, um, which were certainly back in the day very traditional coal mining towns. Um, you know, and then and then lived in in Perth. Um, you know, mind you, I left. Um, you know, we, we left Western Australia when I was about eight or nine. Um, and, um, you know, and so Tassie is uh, very much home um, and home to uh, home to my little family as well. So I have fond memories of, of living in Western Australia. A lot of the extended families are still there in the, in the same old stomping grounds and we go back and visit whenever we can. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, was, it was also a long time ago as well. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you remember what sport was like in Western Australia compared to what it was like in Tassie in the school system? Uh, growing up in my family, there was only one sport, uh, Michelle. <laughs> that, that was that was soccer. Um, th- thank you. Thank you very much. And so, no, I certainly remember playing. Again, I, I left as a, as a fairly yeah. young, young boy. Um, I don't remember playing. Uh, I certainly have images in my head of, of playing in a, in a league and, and going to training and things. Um, I suspect I was wonderfully inept uh, at it. Um, I do remember, you know, I remember Pete telling the story of my brother standing there waiting for the ball to go past him, and I do remember that. Um, and um, I, I might have been a little bit more talented at, at the round ball game than, than, than my brother was. But um, uh, certainly, you know, soccer was a big part of, of the family 
lifestyle um, yeah. and the extended family lifestyle. I certainly remember dad playing and, you know, all, all the uncles and, uh, you know, and, and certainly my grandfather. Um, that was the, it was the topic of conversation. No matter what. Uh, it's, yeah. it's interesting. My, um, my two younger boys, they were really into soccer and for a while all their friends were as well. And that was, it was a really big thing for a few years Although they did, my boys did other things as well. But my uh, one of my sons would come back and say, you know, my this friend wants to actually to be a pro. He's really training, you know. That's what, and it was so focused. And even the computer games that they play played were soccer <laughs> based games as well. And then they, my son, who by then had still played and enjoyed it, and the indoor version as well, the futsal. Um, I remember he would go around to their place thinking they were going there to play um, card games. They were quite big in board games, um, that group. Mm. They still are. But then he said, but I didn't realise it was a soccer match on as well. And so actually all we did all night was watch soccer. Was like, so he just, it's quite an obsessive thing. Just like you were describing, he was describing that amongst his friends. So yeah. interesting. Right. Um, all right. So you, you got over here, you're in, in Tassie and you're at school and sport for you was soccer <laughs> pretty much uh, yeah that's- absolutely so I came over or when I came over here it was oh goodness late 80s or the olden days as my kids would tell me and um you know and and it, it was straight into into a soccer team um yeah. usually through through the school we we moved around a bit through um both Launceston Hobart and back up to Lonnie so it was sort of school stuff probably wasn't really into into club soccer until um high school um okay. whilst i playing high school soccer and uh you know and and also playing in in a, in a club and a local league and look that that really probably only lasted for, for for three or four years um i thoroughly enjoyed the the sport and the social aspect of it um but it was also at that point and you know you'd be familiar so to get to that point when you're maybe 15 or so and you can either really take it seriously um and 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 again i was yeah very um yeah i was not in a position to do that i didn't have the talent the skill or the desire to be honest with you i I just enjoyed kicking the ball around um or or you became interested in other things um and um and that sort of yeah so i probably stopped playing soccer you know probably when i was maybe 17 um 17 or 18 um went back to a, a social league every now and again for for a few years sort of in, in my early 20s or yeah, probably late teens early 20s and that's probably about it so what did you become interested in you kind of opened that door there oh look for me um i i, I was the study nerd um you know i actually really enjoyed school um so Excellent. i i in, enjoyed school. I, I enjoyed high school. I really enjoyed college. I had some, yeah, some sort of leadership roles. I guess you would say, sort of within yeah. within the college. Um, enjoyed uh, having a job at some point. Um, uh, you know, um, my my now wife and I are high school sweethearts. We've been together oh. since 1995, and so clearly became very interested in spending time with her as well. Um, and um, you know, so soccer became. You know, I. I enjoyed it, um, but it wasn't the reason to to get out of bed in the morning, which it is for some people, and that's that's amazing if it is. Um, so, what did you study? Tell me a little bit about this, your life, Matt, away from sport for a bit. Well, most of my life up until the last ten years has actually been away from sport. So there you go. So, tell um, me about that. so I um, after after college, we 
took a bit of a break um, from from study. I, I had a, a failed sort of attempt or two here and there to to pick up some university study. Um, my wife and I travelled a bit um, and came back and 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 got jobs um, and and worked um, and sort of um, you know this is sort of taking us up into the goodness into the late nineties. Um, I was thoroughly enjoying working and having an income um, and, um, you know, and then within, goodness, if I remember my, my history correctly, within the 12-month period, my wife and I got married. Um, we bought a house, did that in the same week. Um, our eldest daughter was born six months later and then six months after that I was made redundant. Oh, um, no. So, you know, n- needs must and so you you find other work um so what, a bit of what work were you doing sorry I, um I, I was working for ANSET um the, the the airline back in the back in the day and um so I was thoroughly enjoying there was a it was a call center job it suited me to a t it was good income it was shift work I enjoyed talking to people I was happy to take money off people in the in the call center um you know selling hopes and dreams that kind of thing um and also really enjoyed the travel aspect of yeah. it as well um but but to be uh, 22, mm-hmm. if, I remember, if I remember my numbers correctly, I was 22 or 23, um, married, single income, mortgage, young family being made redundant. You, you kind of go, oh, I think I might need to go and do something now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, yeah, so my wife, um, who was a, a child carer, had to go back to work um, and uh, I did the obligatory casual jobs for for a few years while also uh, making the decision or we made the decision to um to that I'd I'd go back and, and pick up the the back end of the of the study um and um and and sort of basically doing what I do now for the last 20 years or so which is I'm uh, in uh, HR basically so I'm currently a you know, an executive in a in a GBE and um, thoroughly enjoying it although I spent the last sort of 15 to 20 years in in industrial relations in human relations learning more about people in training in safety and workers compensation um, uh, in a variety of industries both here uh, in Tassie and also on the mainland um, yeah. and as in any career there are some good jobs and there are some amazing jobs and there are some jobs that you're glad you don't do anymore um but it's but uh if we work on the premise that variety is the spice of life um then it's 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 been a very 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 career so far a very spicy life a very spicy <laughs> life indeed indeed <laughs> <laughs> well it sounds like fun and how did it sounds like that period, you know, that 20s and when you were, you know, working through the job situation in university and having a young family and a mortgage and in and out of work for different reasons, certainly your physical, I don't want to say, so I use the word sport a lot, but when we when I say sport, I no, don't necessarily mean organised sport, like mm. going to play soccer or, or whatever, but um, just physical movement and exercise for its, its sake. Um, I assume, and just correct me if I'm wrong, that that kind of took a bit of a backward step because you were busy doing, you know, establishing the foundation of where you are now in your life. Oh, I, I, absolutely. Um, you know, there was, you know, I, I wouldn't have done, you know, activity, uh, if you like, organised or, or impromptu for 
a really long time, probably maybe the best part of, of 10 years. Um, I, I do recall at one point, I was thinking about this only, only recently, uh, I guess in anticipation of our conversation, I do remember randomly entering the Bernie 10 one year um, and having an absolutely miserable time, primarily because I, I, I did, did the typical, and, and this is people who know me, this is very much a me thing, tend not to do a huge amount of preparation. So Entered the Bernie 10, might have been with a work group, I, I, I forget. Um, and this is mid mid aughts, I think, is, is what we yeah. say, maybe 2006, 2007. I, I forget the exact year. And um, and Bernie turned on one of its you know, best days of wind and rain um, and, and coupled with the fact that I was wonderfully unfit and didn't really know what 10Ks felt like. Um, so, you know, couch to 10K in as long as it takes to drive to Bernie, really, um, <laughs> and then didn't really do anything else, um, you know, yeah, structured, I guess, until I um, uh, until just before my my thirtieth birthday, when I uh, ran ran my first marathon. So how did that happen? <laughs> well, would you believe I was inspired by my parents? Um, yes, so- I would. Yeah, so I'd I had this idea, and, and it was certainly, you know, certainly acknowledge, you know, um, you know, Pete and Catherine and and, and the work that or, or the activity they were doing, and by that stage they'd done a number of a number of marathons. I think they'd probably done a few Ironman by that stage. Again, that the, the history sort of gets a bit blurry, but it was the I, I was turning thirty, and of course you you become really old when you turn thirty. So I didn't want to be old, so. Um, and, and so I thought, well, uh, how about I run a marathon before my 30th birthday? So my birthday's in the March, and so the Tassie Marathon before then is Cadbury's. Mm. Um, and again, in, in true me fashion, um, which is probably just an excuse for not making better decisions, I guess, um, I I didn't register. Look, I actually don't remember doing any training for it until about the October. Um, and so I went from years of zero to a marathon in let's call it 10 weeks to be generous yeah. 10 to 12 weeks um i went in obviously very unfit mm-hmm. um really had no idea and we probably didn't really have much of an idea i mean this is this is going back 15 years we know a lot more now about hydration and nutrition and, and so on um and so probably a little bit uneducated um as maybe we all were to some degree back then. Um, uh, also went in with a wonderful leg injury um, and the advice from the physiotherapist, which, which I, I think was was sage advice, was it's going to hurt anyway. You will just hurt a lot earlier than you would be if you weren't injured and you're going to do it anyway. You're not going to listen to me, which was entirely true. Um, <laughs> so Matt did, did the marathon, um, had, you know, finished it, it was a very ugly run and it's okay to run ugly sometimes but of course your first marathon you have this picture you're going to stride across the line like Diddy Costello it's going to be wonderful and of course they're all playing chariots of fire uh, in, in the speakers and um, you know I, I think I staggered staggered stumbled tripped and fell um, into a um, chocolate bar at the end well Hadbury. Yeah, that's one of the advantages doing Cadbury's. Now, the endearing memory of that trip is there's a, there's, a, there's a raffle at the end. You know, you can win this great big block of chocolate. And our eldest daughter, um, it was her only, only daughter at the time, was 
seven uh, and we won the raffle whether we won or whether it was rigged I, I don't know I'll go to my grave and say that we won it fair and square oh. I suspect it may be so we won this tent this block of chocolate that was taller than she was um of course a massive block of chocolate's the last thing you want to see after doing you know a five-hour marathon and you really just want to curl up and die um you know in you know we I wasn't wearing wonderful clothes and so I, you know what the wonderful nipple bleed it looked like I've been yeah. shot in the chest and um but what it what it fascinated me at the time and and we've my wife and I and and, and Pete and I've spoken about this before uh, you know, since since the race is what fascinated me at the time and actually amazed me because I thought the, these people are genuinely mad is there a bunch of people there who ran the marathon and then went, yeah, well, that's my morning session done. I'm going to go for a ride this afternoon yeah. or I'm going to run tomorrow. And I think you guys are absolutely, you're, you're batshit. You're absolutely bonkers. Um, how could anybody do anything after this? Um, I had this injury in, in, in my leg. Um, I genuinely couldn't walk properly for probably two or three months afterwards. Oh. Um, and um, And so that put me that really put me off um amongst you know perhaps inherently lazy um put me off sort of doing anything for for a little while um but uh it was it was good to do the was good to do my first marathon before i turned 30 achieved that little goal and and probably didn't do much else uh for for, for a few years well i mean i know you said your dad and and your mum were a bit of a inspiration for that but not everybody who's about to turn thirty decide they should run a marathon. So why no, but I couldn't. You... I, I couldn't afford a sports car. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> maybe that's what it was. Maybe that's what it was. I I, I don't know that I could really pinpoint, you know, the, the, the moment in time or or that particular why. Um, I, I certainly felt. Um, that that it was achievable, um, mm. and not just because you know. Well, if if your dad can do it, you can. That that that's not not a particularly good reason. Um, I'd seen some other people who'd done one in the past. And go, oh, you yeah, know, well, it's it's probably achievable, and uh, the distance didn't particularly um, yeah, scare me or, or, or concern me. Maybe it had been spoken about a bit for a while as well. It perhaps been you know, normalised in conversation around the coffee table. And, and that probably helped, I, I have no doubt. Um, but also, you know, five-hour marathons are a whopping long time to be, you know, because the, the last two hours of that's pretty ugly. Um, and you really you really get to spend some time in your own head and, and, and work out whether you really want to do this thing or not. Because you're purely out there. That's one of the things I've often had. Com I've had a, done a few marathons and having that conversation in your head that this is actually something I signed up to and I volunteered to do. So yeah, <laughs> stop talking and, about it and just keep moving. <laughs> I think the, the the way I look at it you know, now with, with a race I may do now or, or, a, or a training session I, I may do now is you, you do you do make a choice um, and you can... And, and, and all those choices have consequences. And if you choose to sign up for that thing and then do it, well, the consequence is you'll get a medal and another towel and a T-shirt and, yeah, and, and maybe you're, you're going to sweat a bit and, and that's okay. And you can choose to not do it as well and that's actually an okay decision to make. But just own the decision yeah. um, and, 
and, and that certainly wasn't in my head in 2008 that by, by no means did I have that internal monologue and that's something I've probably really worked on or has been developed organically over perhaps over the last sort of maybe over the last five years more than anything else. So obviously that marathon wasn't the last time you went for a run. So you had to have a bit of a break because you had an injury. Yeah. What got you back a, into it? What what was that catalyst? Uh, I, I again, did my normal thing. I registered for the point to pinnacle and did that without training. Um, it, there's a there's a pattern. I, I think it's a bit of a pathological yeah. thing, actually. Um, so did the point to pinnacle. Um, thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, and then it probably really wasn't until about 2014. So that's a good five or six years after the, the, the marathon, after Cadbury's, where um, I, I I did my first, um, it was my first triathlon, it was a half Ironman. Um, and I went from, and again, you know, people will be sick of hearing this now, this race is in November, so I, start, I register in August and start training in August. So three months before, I couldn't swim 25 metres in the pool. Um, had had the most amazing panic attacks while getting in the pool um was awesome um and because i couldn't as anyone who knows me um knows i, I am not a swimmer um and you know i swim like a filing cabinet um and so I, when i started um and that was true now it's absolutely it was absolutely true back then um so in about the august um i decided that I would do a first half Ironman. Again, you know, Pete was a, was a big supporter of this and had lots of gear and that was all great. Um, it also tied up the, the half Ironman we decided to do was in Mandurah in Western Australia, which is where my grandparents uh, uh, live. So we were literally like 100 metres from the start line. And so it, cut, it ticked all the boxes. It, it was it was a very, a very sort of safe event, if you yeah. like. So I jumped in the pool in August and promptly had a panic attack because um, realised can't swim, um, couldn't swim 25 metres without stopping. Um, this is with a, a pool boy or a wet suit. This is not just unaided. Um, couldn't breathe with my face in the water, so I swam 25 minutes with my head up and stop a few times and get to the end and go, this is just not going to go well. Um, so um, I also couldn't at the time... Um, and even on race day, I couldn't uh, use clipping um, pedals, uh, clipping mm-hmm. shoes on, on on my bike. So there was that. At least I wasn't going to drown on the bike. I guess I consoled myself with that. Um, and and wasn't and, and I'll, I know I'm sure everyone says this was clearly not very fit. Pretty stubborn, pretty stubborn, and was pretty determined to do it. And so I knew that if I could swim enough or float enough ultimately to get out of the water because, you know, I, I was going to be okay. Once you're out of the water, you're safe from the sharks too. So, you know, there, there, there's no problems. Um, so went from, you know, I'm going to be comfortable saying zero or a very low base to a half Ironman in, let's call it three months. Um, had a great time. Um, and then in March the following year did an Ironman. Um, so... That was and that that was a different thing again. That was a different thing again. Um, I could use clipping shoes by that stage. I still couldn't swim. <laughs> still can't swim today. What made you want to go do? I mean, I feel like saying why a lot. <laughs> why did you want to do the 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 Ironman, the half Ironman, in the first place? Look, I, I, probably a couple of reasons. Um, 
and there's put there's probably two parts. This is is it's part of it is what why did I want to do it? May maybe also what why may I have resisted doing it for a little mm. while as well? Um, certainly, you know, I, I'd I'd sort of no maybe not resisted, but would probably probably resented in some ways the the amount of training that's required to do uh, an Ironman or a half mm. Ironman, um, and certainly you know we we knew that you know, that took a lot of time away from from family. Um, and we weren't really prepared. This is my wife and I weren't really prepared to make that make that sacrifice and to make that time away. We had other things we wanted to do. Um, we also, you know, and, and I was also keen to do one at some point. Um, and so really just the stars aligned, I guess, that there was an opportunity to, to do a race in, you know, let's call it yeah. the hometown, if you like, um, where, you know, it was probably going to be as easy to do it as it, possibly was going to be so if there was ever going to be one that kind of makes sense um that um uh, ava our, our eldest was was a bit older and so might be wanting to you know m- maybe show her we can do different things uh, although by that stage she was a you know, fantastic dancer and working really hard at her own stuff um as well um and and really once i'd done the first once i'd done that half iron man i probably got the bug a little bit too um and also you know, there's nothing like seeing other people cross the finish line. And there's a little bit of, well, if you can do it, maybe I can do it as well. Yeah. Um, and and then that led to to the first Ironman that was in Melbourne, which is a, a race, sadly, mm-hmm. that's no longer there. And one of the advantages of doing Melbourne is the family could go and watch. Um, so we could, you know, we, we do, and it's a bit of a double-edged sword, we, we, we do often turn, um, races into, I guess, into a racecation, um, which usually means it's the only excuse we have to go for a holiday is when Matt goes and does a race somewhere. But we've had some wonderful adventures uh, along the way in those in those locations as well. Awesome. So obviously you've kept up with your triathlon adventures. I've done a few over the years. Um, done a few. Um, so I guess um, I think... Off the top of my head, maybe half a dozen Ironmen, um, okay. probably fifteen or twenty or so halves, um, which which I quite enjoy. Uh, I really enjoy them all. I mean, probably the the highlights for me, anyway, personally, and you know, maybe my wife would agree too, is as being the Ultraman races, the longer the three day ultra distance mm-hmm. races that that we do um, or have done in in the past, and I've done four of those. Um, um, and 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 in in recent years, although she's um, perhaps temporarily retired, but I think she might have given away for a while. Is the last two or three years being able to do um, some Ironman races with um, our oldest daughter, yeah. um, and in some cases also do it with with Pete. So we've had three generations um, do an Ironman race, which we think. So this is. Uh, certainly happened at Ironman New Zealand 2019. It was Ava's first one. You need to be 18 to do a to do an yeah. Ironman. She was 18 and 30 days, so she was the youngest competitor by some distance. Um, and we're pretty certain. Well, that's it's hard to get records. We're pretty certain we're the only Australian family to have three Generation. generations yeah. uh, finish a race, um, and possibly one of only two or three or four uh, anywhere in the world. Um, that wasn't the reason for doing it, but that was just a, it just makes a really cool photo really cool. Uh, at, at the end. Yeah, yeah, that was that was really nice. That was really nice. Hmm. Oh, that's amazing. Um, we often talk in the, on the podcast about 
the example that we provide our kids when we're running as adults or doing triathlon or whatever, because so often in our culture, adults just sit on the sidelines and watch their kids do sport. And so when their kids get to adults, you know, their only example is, well, then they need to go on the sidelines and watch their kids. You know, there's no real necessarily, you know, foot, uh, feet, whatever, whatever footsteps to follow into that <laughs> adult <laughs> um, yeah. exercise and running and triathlon or whatever. So I love what you said there. It's great. Uh, yeah, I think it can go both ways as, as, as well. I mean, I, um, you know, for, for, for many years, um, yeah, uh, our eldest daughter was a, you know, literally a world champion dancer. Mm-hmm. Um, and the effort, the effort that she had to put in and the dedication that she chose to put in to that was actually quite inspiring for me. That's Because um, it's a lot of work, oh. <laughs> you know, and, um, and, and yes, we, we were, you know, we, we, we supported her. Of course you did with travel and this, that, and the other, and that was fantastic. We had some great adventures with, you know, traveling the world in some occasions, um, you know, to, to see her dance or to support her dance. But that's just the icing on the cake. You only get to do those things if you've done the work um, a bit like, perhaps you know doing doing an Ironman you only get to do that and cross the finish line if you've done the work or if you've done enough work is perhaps the best way to put it and so you know the the race for me is just is just the fun bit at the end it's the icing on the cake um you know perhaps in perhaps in, in in the same way that it is for other people with with their chosen sport or their chosen thing whatever that happens to be and and I think also kids uh, or certainly in my experience, you know, kids will get, will seek inspiration or will seek influence from um, any number of people in the village that help bring them up. Um, and if the contribution that I could make for a very small period of time was maybe some sporty stuff, great. Um, there's also plenty of other people in the in the village that brings up our children um, who provide, I would argue, far more inspiration and far more influence. Um, but um, but it has been nice to do some things together. There's there's another layer of that that we talk about also, which the other members of your community cannot provide, and that is the DNA. Um, like the DNA of your child is they a child inherently knows they're half mum and half dad, um, mm. whether they um, verbalise it or whatever or can mm. intellectually say that it's subconscious stuff so when they see you know their dna running around doing stuff they well that's something i can at least half do that or both my parents do stuff then i can yeah i have access to it in my you know it's not an impossibility because sometimes build up yeah. those kind of conversations um uh, which right. i find fascinating anyway yeah. um what does your running look like now how are you <laughs> tell me about it now in 2023 almost 2024 i'm afraid i know oh, it's it's it's, it's terrifying um the last so, so at the moment honestly not a huge amount um you know again i've done the old trick i've registered the next race coming up it's the bruni ultra we enjoy that one i'm going back to do that again or we are you know again t- takes a village to yeah drag yeah. me to the finish line um so really only in the last sort of five or six weeks have i really started sort of seriously lacing the shoes you know back up um and and doing uh, and, and doing uh, more more running or more exercise in in general probably haven't done a huge amount really in the last sort of 18 months or so um 
again, it's just just that time when work gets busy and life gets in the yeah. way. But a um, few things coming up over the next sort of six to six to nine months or so, which will probably require me to get out the front door on, on, on a few more occasions, um, which I'm, I'm actually quite enjoying at the moment as well. So do you find having a goal, like a race on the horizon or an event on the horizon, inspires you to to kick in and do that training on a regular basis for whatever is required? In some ways, yes, um, and and it and it is it is good. There's no doubt. You know, if you're doing a 65k run in the month's time, you probably want to go and do some running. Um, what, what I've also been able to demonstrate to me, and this is where I'm also very unhelpful to myself, is I have also demonstrated in the past that I can register for a marathon and not do a huge amount of training and actually mm-hmm. and have a great day and I'll be fine. And I will not be the fastest person out there. Um, but I will get to the end, I'll have fun, I'll have a smile, I'll high-five people and I'll walk away injury-free and then go and mow the lawn in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, the the Probably the, the trick for me or the next thing for me, I think, if I was to really go, you know, I actually need to do some training is to sign up for a very different kind of race mm-hmm. um, where I would need to um, uh, yeah, scare myself, I think, into, into doing different types of training because I would be going into the into the unknown um and so for me it's probably not a 100k it probably may be like a 100 miler um and doing something that would be very out of the comfort zone um i also have not done really done any cross-country running or any trail running so to be signing up for a a longer distance trail run because i would need to train for that because we use different muscles and the biomechanics are very different Mm -hmm. the fueling's very different the gears are very different um or doing a you know, if we just stick on the running theme to do be like a, you know, a backyard ultra or something like that, um, that would probably test the mental strength um, more than anything else. But um, I'm usually okay with, with the head games. Do you have a bit yeah. of a, like an off season? That's what it sounds a bit like. Because I've been a member of the Launceston Running Club since I was in my 20s. And so, as you probably know, that's a winter <laughs> season where you run 20-odd weeks through the winter. And then notoriously my running would go back to two or three times a week in summer uh, when it was not the running season. And then you'd get back into the season again and it'd be like, well, actually this feels better if I run at least four times a week, you know, (laughs) (laughs) to, to race, to let alone run any faster. Mm. Um, But it just feels better if I'm, if I get back into it. Is Mm. it, is that sort of how yours works? Like, cause do you actively get involved in the triathlon season every summer? Is that your? Uh, the last, the last two seasons or so, no, not really. I, I was, yeah, um, yeah, certainly a more active member of the club in, in, in the sort of three or four seasons before that in race organising and and so on, and thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, I guess in terms of on and off season, probably the only, probably the better example of that is is as I guess when when we were going to to Noosa more regularly for the Ultraman races, which are in May, um, I would generally use sort of, you know, October through to May, I guess, as the training block, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, well, that's what it said within the calendar, whether I did it or not remains to be remains to be seen. But um, the but that was sort of a, it's a bit of a summer thing. Um, you know, most of most of the triathlon races are, are, are summer sports um, yeah. and, and we've not um, we've really not sort of done, you know, 
overseas travel or to, to the northern hemisphere anyway to, to race that's sort of a little bit one step too far at this point in time um, and um, and so it's very much a you know a summer activity um, but um, no I, I do enjoy I actually enjoy running all year round um, mm-hmm. probably the biggest thing that changed for me is I guess over the last couple of years is, is when I was training a lot um and would regularly sort of clock up between maybe 80 to 120 k's a week running and then have swimming and cycling on top of that is i really just yeah it was it was it was a lot of time um it was an awful lot of time there's a lot of 3 a.m runs and sessions and things and so you might want to you know we need to dial back on those and have a life at some point um although they can be quite invigorating and enjoyable as well um but it was also probably just recognising that as you got a little bit older, for me, running five days or six days a week actually wasn't a good idea mm-hmm. um, and and just moderating it. So for me, now I would really only run every second or every third day. Yeah. Um, they might be you know, maybe a little bit longer days, maybe not as long as I need to, to, to do just at the moment. But, um, but uh, you know, for me, going out and doing a, you know, 15... 15k run at five o'clock in the morning I really enjoy okay and do you do those kind of runs by yourself or do you hook up with some other people no I've uh, nearly always by myself um okay. I, I've done other than the maybe the two-year window or, or thereabouts um where where Ava was um training for Ironman and then for Ultraman where we did a lot of our training not all but a lot of our training together I've done the vast majority by myself um it's certainly the running certainly mm-hmm. the running um occasionally um on a on a long bike ride um would hook up or or m- more often than not actually it would still be me riding by myself but having you know someone sort of come and throw me a, a a drink bottle and a banana every now and again and um you know and and make sure i'm still yes still vertical um but um yeah other than probably that two-year period where ava was training as well um most of it's been most of it's been solo if i'm around other people or you know particularly down down south where where, where pete is we would nearly always go go together mm-hmm. um and that was a you know it was a great time we had some fantastic training sessions um together for for a really long time I, I worked down there for quite a bit so most of my training was done in the south um but certainly for the last two years or so it's mainly been uh, mainly been up here and do you have anything in your ears when you're running in particular no yeah so no. you you run with your thoughts yep absolutely um i i, I think i have run and it would be i would say in 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 let's call it 10 years of doing some stuff of, of doing running and, and, and biking and, and bits and yeah. pieces. I would say I've only run with headphones on maybe two or three occasions. Um, I, for me, it's, I guess, initially it's a safety thing. Um, there's no doubt about that. Um, I also, I'm probably like a lot of people, I spend the vast majority of my day with a phone to my ear or a screen in front of my face or a telly on at home or because that's just the way the world is and it's not good or bad, it's just the way it is. So I actually really enjoy, you know, not having that um, in, in my head. I, I really enjoy either 
deliberately thinking about something and you know solving all the problems of the world i'm also absolutely the kind of person i can run 10ks and i could not tell you what i've thought about um i could quite easily run for an hour and go i have no idea um where my head's just been um it's probably been everywhere And and i actually really quite enjoy that i have a pretty good internal monologue um um and um and i also know you know deliberately done or specifically done some um very boring runs and very boring boring training sessions deliberately to train myself to do um i guess hard things in my head um you know so i've we're regularly we've got a, a a little loop where we live essentially it's one kilometer um from door to door um and i remember one training session i did that 35 times just oh, what wow. the same loop same loop i mean, i was training for for the ultraman so i needed the kilometers that's fine but i deliberately wanted to make it hard because it, hard mentally because i really wanted to sort of because i knew at some point in the race it's really easy to stop um and you just need to, you know, you need to build up a, you know, a, a bit of a bit of memory, um, so you can draw on that. I think when races get hard and go, oh yeah, but I've done this type of thing before, um, and that really helps the the, the self talk. I think it's like a muscle, isn't it? Yeah, you got to train. You got to train the brain. Um, and I didn't realize that if I go back to the the two thousand and eight um, marathon, I had no idea that. 90% of this stuff's actually in your head. Um, and, and if someone had told me then, again, they were one of the, they were one of the mad people, um, um, I would now absolutely subscribe um, that the vast majority, the vast majority of, and perhaps it's different for different people, and I'd be the first to respect that and the first to acknowledge that. But I think a, a, an awful lot of, yeah, the, this running thing, or particularly over perhaps longer distances, mm-hmm. is is a head game. Mm. It, is, it really is, really is one and lost in your head. What is this saying? Something along the lines of our mind gives up before our body actually does, even though we yep. think it's our body giving up. It's actually our mind telling us our body's giving up. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and, and I think it's, it's also important to understand it, and maybe it comes with, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say this to, to someone just starting running, but I think over time you also sort of build a, a good sort of internal barometer around what is pain versus injury, what is what is I can't do this versus I can't be bothered doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, again, and understand it, own it, make a decision, you know, when in doubt, pick a position and stick to it. And if it's genuinely I can't be bothered, well, okay, then st- Go and do something else or go and do nothing else. Is is that though, like I know when I've been in that pain cave, as some people refer to it, which is a horrible terminology because I'm a glass half full thing, Um, is that where your why is something, if you can can, at least to yourself be able to to, um, articulate to yourself why you entered this event or why you're doing this training or why... What does it mean to you, even if it's something you can't really articulate with words to someone else, but that feeling or that whatever, and if you could tap into it in those moments where it feels like everything's going to crap and really why are you doing this, <laughs> um, it would be, you'd be able to, to finish it. It's like I, I, I think that, like, I think that really helps. And I think for some people, they are very quickly and easily able to articulate the reason why they're doing something. For some people, they may not 
be able to. Um, uh, and, and for some people, it's, you know, we, we've all heard the stories or we all know the people who you know, take up running to help with an addiction or to help with a depression or to, you know, to, to something. And, and that may or may not be their why, by the way, you know, mm. we are, we are more than, we are more than a, uh, you know, a diagnosis. Mm. Um, um, but I think for some people that can really, that can really help. Um, for other people, you know, and I must say, I probably fall into this category of not really be either knowing or having or being able to articulate what a particular why happens mm. to be. What I do try to do, uh, and I've told this story, you know, certainly my, my family would know this story, is, um, is to perhaps, you know, just try to, at that point in time, at the start line, if you like, is is just, you know, take a deep breath and and have a sense of gratitude um and i've told the i've told the story a few times but um uh, at the the start of um uh, the most recent uh, ultraman race i did so this is a day one's a 10 kilometer swim which is a really bad way to start for a non-swimmer and it's in the ocean and that's where the sharks live and i'm did I mention I can't swim? You know, so so I'm standing on this, and, and I genuinely, uh, I, I'd really not, I'd no right to be at the start line. I hadn't done nearly enough training. Um, I was looking through, you know, good old Strava the other day, and I think in the six months prior to this event, I'd been for about five swims. I think I'd done about twelve kilometers in six months. It was it was actually, it was the fourth time I'd done this race, so I knew I could do it. It was fine. Um, but it was going to be a pretty ugly day. And one of the 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 commentators from the event, or the, the MC, if you like, sort of Mr. Ultraman, is a fellow from, from Canada called Stephen King. And and he 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 was explaining to me once, or explaining to, to a group of us once that it's easy, it's easy, Matt. All you need to do, you have an attitude of gratitude. And I went, okay he's pretty smart so i'm going to listen to him so i so we sometimes we talk about having a mantra or having something go in your head so i said the words attitude of gratitude every single stroke for that 10 kilometer swim which was not a 10 kilometer swim it was more than that because it's never 10 kilometers in the ocean i i only breathe on one side and i have to breathe every stroke so I reckon I said, have an attitude of gratitude between 15 and 20,000 times in that four and a half hours that I was in the water. And I had a great swim. I really enjoyed it. It was ugly. It was God awful to look at. Had a sneaky vomit at one point, felt much better after that. Came out with a smile on my face. Um, Now that worked for me and it worked for me at that point where I happened to be yeah, you know, let's call it, you know, philosophically and psychologically, that would not have worked for me at the first marathon in 2008. Um, but I think over time, we all develop our own little it's strategies, better. our own little tips and tricks and what works and what doesn't work. And sometimes trying those things and understanding what doesn't work for you is, is really important as well. I'm sure you've had this as well, but there have been plenty of times in my journey with some of the longer distances where I've thought, I don't know, I don't really don't want to do this. And then, you know, you keep going. And then a couple of minutes later, you've forgotten, like you feel better and everything's good. Like it's that giving yourself the grace to have a bit of space. Like when you feel crap, give yourself 
um, you know, whatever yeah. it is, a couple of minutes, five minutes. Um, if you're still feeling crap, give yourself another five minutes, you know, do it, play games like that and strategies so that you don't. Uh, absolutely. And, and again, I think over time you, you develop your own little tips. And for some people it would be to do a body check. Um, mm-hmm. For some people it would be to ignore it, to just get to the next lamppost, whatever it happens to be, the next aid station. For some people, you know, it's have a jelly bean. Um, you know, I, I think some for some people it's a combination of all those or, or, or their own thing. Um, um, or sometimes just allow yourself to be miserable and grumpy for a very short period of time and then go, okay, in my case, attitude of gratitude, let's go. Let, let's keep on going. Um, and, um, you know, this is... This is usually what you signed up to do, um, and again, there's a there's a choice in there in there yeah. somewhere. Yeah, I love that. Um, where do you see what do you, what have you got on the horizon? Did you tell us before? Have you got any? You hinted I, at something, but did you yeah, say what you were planning to do in the future? Yeah, so so so, so heading back to to Bruni Island um, yeah. for for the ultra coming up soon. Are um, you doing the sixty four? Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Um, so this would be the uh, third or fourth time I think I've done it solo. Um, I had some really good experiences there. No, not not outrageously fast. I'm never going to be at the front. Um, that's for crazy people, um, people who train. Um, but we have a great time. So we use it as uh, as an adventure. We go down for a couple of days and the kids throw stuff at me uh, as, as we go along. They have a bit of a jog along as well. Um, and it's it's a fantastic, fantastic day. And then we go to the pub afterwards and, and have a nice have a nice weekend. Um, do a few half Ironman over summer um, and then you really haven't decided sort of what might be on the on the horizon um, after that. I'm sure it'll be something interesting and probably a little bit epic because, yeah, a life half-lived, that kind of thing. All of that. <laughs> Can you... How long do you think you'll be doing these things for? Not just running, maybe just running. I don't know. How long do you think you'll be this active human? Um, I, I suspect I will probably always be mm-hmm. reasonably active. Um, you know, I, I yeah, I, I, I don't really see a reason to, to, to stop. Um, I think for the most part I've found a nice, you know, balance or a nice way to make it work with a busy home life and a big job and, you know, and things get, sacrificed along the way but we've managed to make it all work um i think we're sort of in a in a really fortunate position in well i think we are all in, a, in, a, in an amazingly fortunate position where we live um, and yeah. for most of us the lifestyles that we live um or are able to, to to lead um that you know i think we'd want to want to maximize that as much as we as, as much as we could for as long as we possibly could um but you know and i've also and yeah touch wood of course i've also managed to be essentially injury free for That's for 10 years um which no doubt helps which no doubt helps the you know the a little bit of motivation is i don't sort of have to you know carry and niggle i mean we all get lumps and bumps and a, a sore thing from time to time but it's pain not injury um and uh, yeah so i i i think um I, I think i'll keep doing this slightly mad stuff for, for a little while longer yet i love it um, I always thought when I first began, in part, it was because I had this focus of the Iron Man in Hawaii. I'd watched that a few years in a row on the telly. Yep. 
<laughs> I was like, oh, I really want to do one of those. And never quite got around to moving away from, well, adding other other um, disciplines to my running, which was quite interesting. Um, I don't know if I just thought I never had time. I had five children in the end and ran two businesses and, and just, and, and now I'm in my 50s. It's like, well, I just love my running. <laughs> no, don't think I'll ever actually get to doing a triathlon now, which is interesting. It's- yeah, I mean, it's really hard to qualify if you don't swim or ride a bike. So, yeah, yeah just, just a little just bit run. of a hint there. But, yeah, you can run. Um, look, it's – I think for, for most people, and, you know, I've been fortunate enough to see both you know, Peter and, and Ava, our, our daughter, both qualify and compete at Kona. Um, and, and as someone who is really – I quite enjoy the Ironman distance racing, but I'm a mug. I'm never going to get to race at Kona – it was an amazing experience to go and watch and to support. And that was last year for, for Ava. Absolutely fantastic race. And people need to, they really earn their entry fee. They really have to dig deep in that race. Um, and that, that is pretty that is pretty brutal. Um, you know, and, and it is an amazing, you know, piece of bling to have up on the, up on the mantelpiece yeah. for, for anyone who's gone irrespective of time. I, I think that... You know, I think that race just spits people out. Um, and so, but but I would also, I'd say say to anyone, it's achievable. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's you know for for most people, um, you know, it, it is that you're quite able to do a, a pretty good time in an Ironman if you've got a good base. Um, and then, yep, if the luck goes your way, and depending on what happens, and a lot of things have to go right, of course, in order to to get a to get a spot, and that's no different to qualifying for for Leadville or for UTMB or for uh, the Hard Rock 100 or any of those those well, these sort of races become bigger and bigger and more popular. They become harder and harder to get into. So it usually means that you know mugs like me. Well, we're going, we're going to do something else instead. But um, but that's okay. That that that's actually okay. Um, and so yeah, we'll find we'll find other things that become really really exciting as well. What what do you think all of this has given your life? So if you had adopted, well, I guess running and triathlon um, ten years ago or so, you'd be missing out on. You wouldn't have in your life. Ah. <laughs> uh... That's a really interesting question because I, I think, you know, and, and I may not be the one to ask this question, but um, I, I'd certainly say that it's added a lot to our lives. And when I say ours, I, I would say, say our family. In as much as, yes, there are early mornings and lots of dirty washing and bike bits everywhere, and I, I, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm happy to own that. But it has also given us a real opportunity to see parts of the world um, and to see parts of Australia that we probably wouldn't have gone to otherwise, and we had a very similar approach with you know, with, um, with with the dancing many years ago. As we went to lots of towns and villages and countries, we probably would not have gone to because you go for this particular thing, and then we have you know we're we're pretty big on adventures in our family, um, and not necessarily big grandiose adventures. But, you know, we go and have an adventure. And then if you have an adventure off that, that's called a side adventure. And so we're always having little adventures and just wanting to have a really good lived experience, um, you know, as, as much as we can and as long as we can as a family. And there's no doubt that, you know, the sport, the the triathlon or the running has enabled a lot of that or has probably been a really good excuse to justify 
a lot of that as well. Do you think underlaying that has also been a foundation fitness-wise? Like, Because as we get older, and you're a bit younger than me, but as you get older, your capacity, if you haven't stayed relatively fit, is reduced for what you can take on in life, whether it is adventures, traveling around, looking at things or whatever that may be. Mm. You don't have the energy, not just physically to go do that stuff, but even, you know, even what's going on in your head to think mm. that I could go do that. I have a notch you, thing. Yeah. So I, I have no doubt, no doubt at all. Uh, talk about genes for a second. So I was, you know, blessed as a, you know, I, I was, I never really got sick as a kid. Okay. Um, or as a young, as a young man, as a young adult. Um, I, when I got COVID, I was sick for a day and was vacuuming the floor the following day. Um, I've never broken a bone, um, mm-hmm. never had my appendix out. None of that's got anything to do with running. But but I think, but if I think certainly as we get older, I, I have no doubt that me being able to maintain, amongst other things, a reasonably you know, uh, active lifestyle and clearly there are some peaks and some troughs in there in terms of activity and output there's no doubt that's um that's probably helped my overall physical health there's no mm-hmm. doubt it's helped my overall mental health um or my capacity to you know to to have long and busy days mm. yeah, yeah which means you can have a long and full life that's the plan this is the plan. Got plenty more things to do. Exactly. <laughs> um, can you reflect on a run? Doesn't have to be an event. It can mm. just be a training run. That just where everything flowed for you. It was amazing. Like, can you think of a time where it just felt great? Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. And, and it is an event. Um, um, and I often, I've often, you know, spoken about this. There's probably only one or two times in my life, I guess we would use this term flow state. Mm. Um, and I, I'm, I'm not particularly educated. Maybe I'm using that incorrectly, but I think people would know what I'm, I'm referring to. Um, so this was um, 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, this was day three of the Noosa Ultraman. And day three is a double marathon. Um, so for those who know, Noosa, uh, on the Sunshine Coast, you run from Noosa, you run south of Maroochydore Airport, turn around and come back home. Um, I had a, it was actually one of the few times in a race or, or in, say, the lead up, say in the 18 months or 12 months beforehand, where it had a bit of a goal in mind. And it wasn't a hard and fast goal from a time perspective, but I just thought, oh, I reckon I can do this. And I reckon I, if I do the work, I reckon I can do this. And <laughs> It actually follows on from Pete's story the other day. So Pete did the race in the previous year, um, as as did I, and we, we, we you run separate races. And he did this. He did the double marathon in just under nine hours. Um, and so one of his prized possessions. He didn't actually tell you this part of the story. One of his prized possession. If the building burnt, if his house burnt down, and he only had to get one medal out. I think the one he would get is the one that his good friend um, and, and running coach Peter Hoskinson made for him. And it is, it's literally, it's a, um, uh, a yellow plastic submarine mm-hmm. um, and a birthday candle in, in the shape of a number nine and he sticky taped them together and he said, Pete, this is because you did sub nine. So it's a submarine nine. And, <laughs> and it is, it's one of those really touching, beautiful mm-hmm. moments. Um, and so I went, you know what, I reckon I could beat that time. Um, 
And so while I didn't specifically train with that in mind, I didn't do any particular speed work or anything, I kind of just had this idea in the back of my head that I could do the time. So on that particular day, so, you know, this is, this is day three. You've already done a 10K swim. You've done just under 500Ks, a pretty lumpy riding. Um, and I was, I was pretty focused from the get-go. And that day, I couldn't really remember much about the day. I, I, I would say from my perspective and my wife, daughter and my mother-in-law, my brother were crewing for me at the time. They may have a very different view, but I, I really felt like I was in the zone for the whole day. Wow. Um, and so I got to the marathon mark, so the turnaround mark in 355, so my fastest ever marathon time is the beginning of a double. Yeah, this is just dumb. Um, knowing that the back end would be a little a little bit tricky. There were also one of those tropical days on the Sunshine Coast, lots of really localised, really heavy thunderstorms. It was quite muggy. Um, we managed to avoid all the thunderstorms just by virtue of sheer dumb luck. And so I was well on, I was actually on track to, to, to get this time. And I distinctly remember running down Noosa Beach. So the last 500 metres of this 85-kilometre run is on sand because they're sadistic buggers. Um, so, And Noosa Beach is normally, for those who have had the opportunity to go, is packed with tourists, yeah. packed with tourists and people. And on this day, it was a biblical downpour. There was no one on the beach. <laughs> so I had myself, I had my brother on one side who was running with me or running for parts of it, and Ava, our eldest daughter, on the other side, and we're running down Noosa Beach in the blinding rain. I'm looking at my watch going, I've just done sub nine, in fact, quite under sub nine. We had Noosa Beach entirely to ourselves, and I swear I would go to my grave, I just floated wow. along the top of that sand. Did 828, if I remember my numbers correctly. Um, so... Again, not the fastest time of the day by any stretch of the imagination, but for that whole day, absolutely in in the zone. Everything clicked. Everything clicked. And every a lot of things had to go well in order for it to click. We had to train well. We had to prepare well. The crew had to be really organised. And crewing those things is really hard. It's actually harder to be a crew. Athletes are really dumb. They just do stuff. Um, you just point them in the right direction and feed them and they'll go. The crew actually have an awful lot of work to do. And it's very tiring being the crew. Um, and so they had to be, yeah, I guess, very simply, very on the ball. And so lots of things had to go well. Um, and on that particular day, it did, and it was amazing. Oh, that sounds awesome. Gives me shivers up and down my spine. I love it. And I, I know Noosa quite well, so I can picture exactly mm. what you're saying. <laughs> it's kind of amazing to think about it like that. Oh, I love it. All right. Um, I'm going to ask you for some tips for beginner runners in a minute, but before I do, is there anything about running in general mm. that we haven't really touched on that you'd like to share with people? I think... I think sometimes running sports in general, but running is is probably as good an example as others, can be very mystified. I think there's a temptation for some people to really mystify it so that they can then commercialise the demystification. Um, running in its simplest sense is actually really easy. Um, 
It's left foot, right foot, breathe a bit. It doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. Um, and there are no there are no doubt there are people who will always be a better runner, might be more, um, or, or a faster runner or run longer distances. But I think we can fall into the trap or I think new players to the game can can fall into the trap that one needs to run an X pace per whatever in order to be a proper runner or you need to have done 50 of these or 100 of these or you have to have the $300 shoes or whatever it happens to be. And, and I find that, you know, I actually find it quite sad because I actually think it demotivates either, you know, that is a barrier to entry for people who, might want to give it a crack and it can also be quite demotivating for those people who don't fit into that rather ridiculous mold um and then i think it can take an awful lot of you know, intestinal fortitude for somebody to go no no i don't need to have those shoes all this time or so you know i run therefore i'm a runner mm-hmm. um and i think um and i find that yeah i find that a little bit disappointing actually i think there's a lot more people who i mean anybody can you know, i guess is the, is the simple answer is anybody can um and many people should um and um but I, but i think uh, you know i think that that would be that would be my concern one of the things that i talk about on the podcast a bit and it's based on things i listen to and books and professors i i pay attention to and one of them said um not that long ago, I've heard it multiple times, but we wouldn't be here. Like the the people who are on the planet right now are descendants from people who are reasonable runners because the ones yes. that weren't, they either didn't catch their food or they became food. And yep. it sounds flippant, but it's actually true. So our no, DNA is, you know, our ancestors were all the running batch of humans. And yeah, so absolutely. we can all run and there's very few people who can't. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I agree. And, um, you know, they, they say, you know, you are what you eat. I, I would argue that you are what your ancestors ate. Um, and, um, you know, because, you know, that I think that is true because if they ate things that were bad, they tended to not live very long. And so we are the, we are the, we are the results of a sequence of many things going right. Mm. Um, and, you know, I, I think, um, you know, lots of things do have to, be going pretty well in your life, no, no, no doubt, um, to, to to make the choice to go for a run um, or, or to do a thing, whatever that thing happens to be. Um, but it's but sometimes it's nice to go, yep, these things are going right and that's actually okay too um, and, and to enjoy the moment. It's that um, often we talk on the podcast about that enjoying the journey to that, whatever the goal is that you're, you're heading and finding ways to enjoy it because running isn't the most comfortable thing all of the time. We don't all run in that flow state we we're talking about before. In fact, it's kind of like the nirvana we're often looking for. Yeah. But at the same time, there is something amazing about enjoying it even when it's painful yes. and fi- finding that and and in that in your in yourself because I think that's when you can achieve things that you'll be very proud of, that you'll be able to click all those things in your head that you're after that we can't necessarily articulate very well. Mm. That's where they live in that little space where it's hard for us personally, not necessarily someone else, but for you. That's right. Yeah. 
and and that's yeah. I think what we're all after. That yeah, I, I agree, and I think if we go back to this idea about it's the journey is, um, mm. I reflect on another thing that um, this Canadian fellow Stephen King had has shared with with me some time ago, and it's something I've certainly taken to heart. And he had to learn this. Well, he he tells the story. He had to learn this when he was sort of transitioning from being a proper world class athlete to being not a proper world-class athlete and the sense of loss that, that came with that because that's how he'd identified. That identity. Mm. Um, and, and he said, Matt, it's not about the time you get. It's about the time you have getting the time you get. And I, I went, that. I went yeah, that's going on a T-shirt. That's mm. fantastic. Yeah. So, again, for me, that tip that, that uh, I guess, encapsulates it's the journey, not the destination, although we shouldn't devalue the importance of a destination. Just um, a short time, though, of all of the, especially, yep. you know, in what, the context of what we're talking about, such a short moment, whereas Absolutely. if we can just be, and, and it's important to be in that moment, as you were saying just then, because um, you know, another half of my of my journey is the mindfulness and trying to work out how mm. we can mindfully be in these moments. So, yes, I think fully encapsulating and um, yeah. those moments of joy when you have achieved this thing that has taken you a long time to get to, right. even, even if you didn't really train very much, you're probably training in your head, like thinking about it. Oh, I haven't yeah, trained very much. Absolutely. And, 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 and that can also be really a really important part of the journey as well. Exactly. Uh, is that visualization piece. Mm. But um, I think also it's okay to do hard stuff. It's okay to do painful stuff. It's okay to sweat a bit and go through three T-shirts in a day. You know, it's, again, lots of things are going right in your life and in your little part of the world in order for that to happen. Um, and, you know, it's very simply, it, you know, there are worse places to be and many, many worse things to be doing. So, you know, take a moment, breathe the air and enjoy it as well. Yeah, yeah. No, I love that. It's been so delightful to talk to you, Matt. Thank you too. You. Thank you. Sharing some amazing stuff with us and some insight. <laughs> I really have. I really have enjoyed it. Um, but before we go, mm. I would love some beginner running tips. So if somebody comes to you and says, Matt, I want to start running, what would you advise them to do to get started? I, I, I think very simply I'd just say yes. Let's let let's go. Yes. Let's no, let's not overcomplicate things. I would certainly, I guess, to be a little bit more specific, I would certainly suggest staying off the social media stuff and staying off the Strava and not worrying about times. I think one of the amazing things about running, and this is probably actually compared to different types of sports, is you actually have a unique opportunity to spend time with yourself in your own head. Because um, you kind of have to where you trip over things and run into telegraph poles. Um, and, whereas other sports, you actually need to pay a bit more attention. Now you, you've got to avoid the sharks in the, in the ocean. Um, All and, that's and, heading towards you. Yeah, exactly right. And so, you know, running actually allows you to, you know, to, to spend spend time in your own head or, or, or with that really that one-on-one -on -one contact with the person that's next to you and um and i think we we maybe we miss that sometimes and and i think yeah I, I, if someone came to me today and said i want to start running it would be okay let's go let's go you'd take them for a run absolutely absolutely i love it all right 
Matt, thank you. I'm looking forward to meeting you in person because we don't live very far apart, really. We don't. <laughs> Just down the river. No, Indeed. We'll see you on of, the hustings somewhere. We have lots of um, mutual friends too. In, we do. Like there's a lot of crossover in the triathlon world there, there uh, is indeed there is indeed small well, gene pool <laughs> exactly um big thank you for coming on and sharing some of that with us love absolutely it. no worries pleasure thanks very much michelle thank you for listening to the fit mind fit body podcast i'd love to talk to you about your running journey send me a message on facebook or on the website and let's do it i also wanted to let you know that i've created an email list so you won't miss any podcast episodes. You'll find details in the show notes and on the Fit Mind Fit Body website, along with a bunch of resources on mindful running. They'll help you to get and stay mentally and physically fit. And I'll see you there. Plus, I'll be back here in your podcast player a few times a week. Hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And before you go... I'd really appreciate it if you would leave a review. It'll help more people to find the podcast and get inspired to start running and ultimately to improve their life. See you soon.